Hey, Paragol Podcasters, we are doing another giveaway. And this time it is a $25 gift card to Gearhead Outfitters. On top of that, we are also giving away two punch cards to Downtown Nutrition right here in Downtown Paragold. Both are good for a free drink of your choice. Over the next week, we will be giving away three different cards. And if you would like a chance to win, simply share today's Facebook post about Ryan's episode. And then next week, we'll randomly select three different winners. Today's episode is with Ryan Vaughn. And as you're about to hear, Bill actually started recording right after Ryan came into the studio. And so you're going to get the chance to listen in on a conversation before the actual conversation. Now, we had a lot of fun doing this, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So now, on to the podcast. The thing is about Max... He, he wouldn't wear headphones. I was like, the, the cord goes on your left ear. He was just like, I go, or oh, we don't have to wear them. Or, or whatever. Did yeah. you, you know, it's cool. hat that he had on? Yeah. Yeah. He so, didn't want to, I mean, I wouldn't take that off either if I had a hat like that. I but. wouldn't either. But yeah. he starts tapping, making points. I'm like. <laughs> At one point, I even said, hey, Max. I was like, time out, Bill. Hey, uh, every time you do that, <laughs> like we can hear it. And he was just like. <laughs> and I'm like trying to say it as politely as I can. And then he's like, don't, don't okay. kill me, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And I tell him that he's like, all right. So anyways, I was in a grappling match <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, <laughs> he stopped for five minutes and then it got more aggressive. Yeah. But here's the thing about Max. So his, his stories really are larger than life. And so nobody, like people are, are texting us and emailing like, is that stuff true? That really happened. And have you ever seen the movie big fish? You ever heard of that movie, Aaron McGregor? The dad's telling all these crazy stories, and the son, his dad's on his deathbed. He's on all these stories, and his son's like, man, dad, I just want you to tell me the truth for the first time in your life. Like, you're going to die. I don't even know who you really are. And then his dad ends up passing away, and at the funeral, all of these people show up that were in his stories that he thought was just, like, mythical. Like, And so oh, he realized that awesome. my dad was telling the truth. Well... One of the crazy stories that Max was telling us. But I will say this from a movie perspective. The characters were scarred and had aged just enough where it's like the stories might have been 75, 90% true. At, at least that's the image yeah. I got. Cause it, but it's Maybe such a beautiful ending. This. Was it, it set in Alabama? Yes, I think it was. Like early 2000s? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. I was. I lived in Alabama when it was recorded. Down so, in Alabama. Dude, that, so that's, I honestly think that the dad is Max because here's... Here's what happened in the. That's a so, great analogy, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, You're welcome. So Max was telling one of the stories he told was about this guy named Gokor, G O K O R. This guy's a legend in the mixed martial arts world. A legend, like Ronda Rousey. Right. Like that's like he's Ronda Rousey's godfather. Like she gives him the credit for everything that she's done, like in the MMA world. And anybody, like everyone who's anyone in, in UFC has been trained by Gokor. Big, big, big deal. Like go Google him. Has his own Wikipedia page, like super lengthy. Anyways, Max talks about how he's friends with Gokor, personal friends with Gokor, right? And some people hear that and like, mm, okay, like, are you really, you know? Um, well, he calls me last Friday night after the podcast episode released and he's like hey that was a good episode yeah it was it was good and um and he said uh hey you want to talk to gokor and i was like yeah that'd be great to talk to him sometime and he's like hang on one second he goes silent and all of a sudden you hear and he's like i'm calling him in well he doesn't answer but he doesn't answer but here's the thing he's like yeah he's like he's like oh man he's in california it's 5 p.m there he's like he's he's training well, I'm like, okay. He's like, well, that's, that's pretty crazy that he calls him in. But the next day, he sends me a screenshot 
of a text thread between him and Gokor. And he's like, hey, I've got a friend who does this podcast in Paracord. <laughs> Would you want to talk to him? And he's like, sure, anything for you, Max. Dude, I, I got the screenshot on my phone. And then he sends me his contact. So now I've got GoCourse contact yes. in my phone. And I'm like, and he's like, he, he texts me or saying, he's like, you called GoCourse yet? And I'm like, man, Max, honestly, I'm just trying to figure out how to walk through the shame of being like, hey, buddy. <laughs> This is hey, hey, man. Paragold Podcast. Who is this? Uh, Jared Pigney. That's Jared Pigney from Paragold. Yeah. What, what you want? Gonna... All of a sudden, you sound like Debbie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jared Pigney, and I'm from Paragold. It's like, what am I going to talk about? I've never, I've never been in a fight in my entire life. What do you talk, what do you talk about? So, uh... What's the toughest thing you've ever gone through? <laughs> in case this has somehow makes the cut, and uh, we talked about Debbie and how much we love her before we hit the record button. Oh, totally. So, oh, yeah. That's what I was talking, talking about, about. How sweet her voice was. That's it's like it. I've laughed so much, my glasses fogged up without a mask. <laughs> so I guess now we can do our fish official introduction. Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and I'm joined today by a man who needs no introduction, Ryan Vaughn. Thanks for coming on. Hey, good morning. So, first question I have to ask is, where is the snow? Seriously. <sighs> um, when I was a kid, we it seemed like, I could be wrong, you'd probably know better than I would, but it seemed like we would get at least one, maybe two big snows a year. Now, if it flurries for five minutes, we're blowing up social media it because we're so excited. So, honestly... Where's the snow? All right. I, I, I'm I'm not a snow fan. Really? Not as much as I portray on, on social media. Like, I, I, I on social media, I really am like, I hate winter. Um, but it's just to counter all of the snow love that is out there. You know, the pattern has changed. I mean, you know, it is, as bad as, uh, as controversial as it is, the climate is changing. And... One or two degrees in the summer means nothing. If it's 86 degrees versus 88, doesn't matter. But if it's 35 degrees versus 32 degrees in the winter, that's a huge deal. That's that, a big that's deal. A cold rain versus we're going sledding. And so little small changes in the climate, and we can, no, we can't. I don't want to argue about it. <laughs> the reasons behind climate change, um, it's happening. And, and it's the real deal. It's the real deal. And You're seeing it happen on your watch. Yes. And, and, and so every time someone says, where's the snow? It's like, well, that is probably the most upfront way that people can see that the climate is changing. Because everyone can say, man, when we were kids, man, we had a sled. And, you know, at least once or twice a year, we'd go out to, you know, whatever hill, whatever name you want to drop on it. And, and we used to go sled. And now I have two sleds that I think are very dusty, probably have yep. not been used since and probably six years, probably. That's so sad, man, because it seems like here's what's odd, though, is why like Texas has got more snow than we have mm -hmm. in Paragold. What's yeah. that about? Well, you start seeing things shift. So if, if, if a trough is digging farther south than what it used to, um, you know, on those, on those moments where we could get really cold, well, it pushes all the storm tracks farther down to the south also. So you can say, well, Ron, we do get cold. We, we still get cold. <laughs> yeah, we do. And then on those occasions, everything's pushed down to the south. So, um, you know, I, 
it's hard to say, but sometimes it's too cold to snow. Um, so then you, you people think global warming, and finally we thank goodness we moved from saying global warming to climate change, because we yes we do still get cold. Yes, we do um, have teens for lows and things like that. Um, and so back when we used to use the word global warming, well, where's that global warming? It's yep. 19 degrees. <laughs> and it's like, quit making it political. Yeah. Remember back to when you used to get snow and there's your climate change. <laughs> you can't argue that part of it. Yep. Now we can argue why I have my theories. I'm not going <laughs> to lay them Nobody out there, right now. but we've got to stop making it political and, uh, and, and just realizing what are we going to do with this? Can we even stop it? If the answer is no, we can't stop it, then we got to deal with it. What are we, what are we going to do to deal with it? And I think that's where we're at now. I will say that I think it's going to be really tough to stop climate change. It's just happening. So then how are we going to deal with that? Yeah. You know, if you love snow, move north. <laughs> if, I think if you ever decided to run for mayor, and I know that, you know, you would never run against Josh Agee, but you should make that your platform, stopping climate change or like, Bringing back the snow. Bringing back the... I'm going to bring back snow. The snow to Paragold. Yeah. My kids think you could do that. I've been trying to tell them, like, guys, it's God, not Ryan Vaughn. <laughs> it's just not sinking in. How awesome would my job... How much easier would my job be if I controlled the weather? Hey, it's going to be sunny and 72 tomorrow. How do you know? Because I control it. <laughs> yeah, man. Because you don't always get it right. No. Nope. Get it close. There's not many jobs where you predict the future. And so you have to you have to start with the humility of uh, of I'm not going to get it right. Yeah. Do people I'm, get mad at you when you get it wrong? Oh yeah. Uh, do you hear about that? Yeah. Or are you just assume you do? You know, and I'm fine with I'm I'm fine with people getting mad if I get it wrong. What I'm not fine with is um, when people say that I said something that I didn't. Oh yeah. You know, uh, it, it just just uh, last week, uh, a pastor, <laughs> a pastor, was saying, uh, he said, "Man, the other day you said it was going to get sunny, and it never did." Oh. And I thought, and I said, mm. "I don't think I did. I think I said I can go back and look at the air checks, but I think we said it was going to be cloudy all weekend." And he goes, "Oh, that was the Weather Channel." <laughs> and I that's said, hilarious. "I said, dude, that's like me." It was a pastor, and I was like, "Dude, that's like me going up to you and getting mad at you for something Joel Olstein said." <laughs> You can't do that to me. So that's what that's the frustrating uh, part. You know, someone once said, uh, said uh, "Man, on Friday you said that the wind on Monday would be out of the southwest. At, you know, five to ten. It was out of the northwest." And I said, "Well, my last day working was Thursday, and I don't give the wind forecast for Monday, so I don't know where you got that." So I don't know. That's awesome. So, um, are we going to get any snow this year or not? I think we are. I really do. You know, I do a blog post about the first part of November I just and what I do is I, I, I look at the pattern that we're in and I look at years in the past that we have had a uh, similar uh, setup that we have and, and what happened to those years and if you look at that we had some snow now it didn't come until the end of January and into February um, we also had some early um, some early wintry weather, not really snowfalls, which we did have in December. We had, you know, little wintry mixes here and little dustings up in Missouri and stuff. But once again, you got to factor in climate change on that also. Okay, if I look at a, a winter from 1953 that had a similar pattern, how does that look today? But I still think we'll, we'll have uh, at least one, maybe two wintry events. A lot of our good ones are in November, and some of our good ones are in March. Hmm. Now, a lot of times the ones in March – 
you don't sled on. They're usually that thick, yeah. wet snow that comes down. But I still think we will. I, I'm I'm really concerned with severe weather, like tornadic stuff, oh, in this pattern. Uh, late February into March, uh, this pattern usually yields a pretty fast warm up out of winter. Um, and so I am a little bit of a growing concern on severe weather, uh, tornado wise, and we're a little gun shy on that right now. So yeah, I don't want to scare anyone, yeah. but too late. Yep, too late. It's out there now. Vaughn says bad severe Everybody weather. Everybody has turned off the podcast and they're going <laughs> to buy storm shelters. Um, so everyone knows you as the weather guy, um, and I definitely want to talk more about the weather um, here in just a little bit. But I would like to hear from you. Who is Ryan Vaughn? Where did you come from? And how did you get to where you are today as the weather guy? What's well, funny, for those that know me, know me, and you you know me. Um, weather guy, the weatherman, the meteorologist is about number three or four on my list of who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really take pride in that and mm-hmm. in the fact that um, – you know, I openly share my faith. Sure. I am a Christian. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, yeah. And I grew up in Nashville, um, Tennessee. Some people, when I say I grew up in Nashville, oh, Arkansas. Yeah, like, Arkansas, boy. No, no. A little bit bigger, <laughs> yeah. Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. Um, uh, my parents uh, were divorced when I was like 18 months old, so I don't ever remember my parents being um, married. So having step parents was just, th- that was just what it was. I mean, mm. I, I had four parents more or less, mm. uh, had one sister. Uh, my parents are still alive. Uh, my dad's doing great. My mom has dementia and, and, mm. and doesn't mean, you know, doesn't remember us a, a lot of the time, which has been tough through yeah, COVID also. Hard, uh, but married, uh, married my high school sweetheart. Mm. And, uh, and there's a, there's a fun story with that. Got four kids and, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. What did you did you live with your mom or your dad or bounce back and forth? My mom for the most part. Now, once high school came around um, for several different things, I ended up moving uh, out to my dad's a lot. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, that, yeah. So a lot of during high school times. Uh, it's funny. I, I'm like I'm thinking to myself. Okay, how much do you want to know here, Jared? Yeah, I just want you to roll with it, man. You know, because tell us uh, what you want to tell us. In high school, I had an incident where. Um, and this sounds like a, a, a pretty wild story, but I was attacked by a gang. Are you kidding me? No. A lot You're of people don't know that. attacked by a gang? I was. I left work, or I left school early because we had gotten in trouble for an illegal scavenger hunt. So, do you know what an illegal scavenger hunt is? Um, I have no idea. Don't get any ideas, kids. But we had a list of we things. We have a lot you, of kids listening to this podcast. Actually, I just stopped now. <laughs> no, let, me, let, me, let me tell you that. A lot of kids got arrested <laughs> for this. But we had a list of things that, uh, you know, go get the Mick off McGavick, which was our rival school. It'd be like oh. telling a bunch of tech kids, you know, go steal the Ram off yeah. of this sign. And you were how old like when this is? Uh, I was 16, 17 years old. And 17, I think. Okay. And uh, so we had this list of things that you had to go get. Very bad idea, kids. Very, very bad idea. And when everyone showed up, the police were there. You know, when everyone got showed up to be like, all right, here's my yeah. Mac, and here's my phone booth, and here's my whatever, the police were there. And they're like, here's my handcuffs. Yeah. So it was uh, – and I was, a, I was a pretty good kid. Damn. You know, it was just, I was just stupid. I've always said to, yeah. you know, my kids, I don't really foresee my, my kids getting in trouble. I could see my kids getting 
Uh, I could see a, a phone call from Paragol Police going, "Hey, your 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 boys are on top of Walmart." I'm like, why? You know that kind of thing. That's the kind of kid I was also. And so we had gotten in trouble with the school, and they had kind of sent me home uh, 15 minutes early. So I went over to the gas station we all hung out with, and uh, an ex girlfriend's new boyfriend uh, decides, "Hey, you know," to confront me and says, "Hey, you know, I hear you don't like me," and I was like. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, no, I don't. You know, I've always kind of had that smart Alex side, especially yeah. pre-Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, no, I, Just I really what's don't. On your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so we we exchanged some words. Uh, he swings, I swing back, and then eight people jump no. on top of me. So, uh, was he, dude, he was in a gang. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- APG was a gang. APG. Then. Yeah. Is so, that still a gang? I don't know. Not after, you got, not after you got done with it. Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> not uh, anymore. There's there's all kinds of crazy stories that kind of go with that moment uh, that really even led up to Jennifer and I dating, uh, which is, is kind of funny. So uh, I had some construction workers that kind of hit them with two by fours and uh, knocked everybody off. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm waking up in the uh, ER at Southern Hills Baptist uh, or Southern Baptist, Southern Hills uh, Hospital. I don't know if it was Baptist or not. He was. It's like a scene out of Anchorman. It is. It is. It's it a gang is. fight in the streets. Gang fight in the streets. <laughs> so you so you got jacked up then. You, yeah, you know, not as bad as what you would think. Okay. Eight people jumping on you. Um, you know, I was swinging and going at it, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it is what it, it is. is. And, and, you know, so it, that moment I, I started spending more of my time out at my dad's just okay. to kind of get out of the neighborhood okay. some. Um, but still ended up going to the same school and, uh, I, I missed a week of school on that. I come back mm-hmm. and this girl who I was already kind of interested in, mm-hmm. we went to a huge school. So even though Jennifer and I went to school for several years together, I, I never really knew who she was until I went to music appreciation class. And I'll be honest, I know nothing about music. I took music appreciation class. And you class. quickly began to appreciate that yes. class. I literally took it to yeah. meet girls. I mean, that was, <laughs> wait, let, let's be honest here. So, uh, and I had noticed her before and someone said, oh yeah, she, she transferred in from Brentwood, which was a lie. She had not, she had gone to school with us this whole time. Uh, but anyway, so after that whole incident, she had to give me one of the tests. She administered that one of the tests to me. Really? And so, uh. And so I, I was like, man, this is this is cool. This is working out good. This is the girl I was, you know, kind of interested in anyways. And so I um, asked her to homecoming the next week. Well, the entire time we had police following us that night. Wow. The police were very um, concerned with gang activity in our high school. And they even looked at gang activity that really wasn't even gang activity. Um, you know, me and my friends were not a gang. Sure. Uh, but the next thing you know, they're talking about gangs and they're showing us hanging out at like gas stations and stuff. And it's like, we're just a group of guys. Wow. <laughs> you know, we make, we make A's and B's and we're, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so the cops thought that uh, they needed to follow me around, you know. And so Jennifer on, uh, and I on homecoming night are getting followed by the cops. You have to be kidding me. Yeah, what were you telling her? I mean, she already knew the story, I guess. She knew the story, and she knew it was absurd to think that that our friends were a gang. So. Yeah, yeah. But she saw through all that. She like, saw through all this, that. dude. Yeah. So, so you, y'all started dating in high school. Yes. It was your junior year, or senior year. That was my senior year, her junior year. Okay. Now, what were you into at that point? Uh, were you into weather? Yes. Were you really? When did you get into weather, dude? I loved weather since I was like five. Where did that come from? I have no idea. 
I mean, I was never scared of weather. You know, meteorologists, you, they either have this story like I loved weather forever or I was scared to death of weather. And I was not the scared of death. I, I was scared of death. I was, man, if it's lightning, I'm at the window. Hmm. Now I tell people to get away from the windows when it's lightning. But yeah. um, I, I loved weather. I mean, my friends made fun of me for like, you know, you know, what are you doing? Just sitting there watching the weather channel? Yes, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'd watch severe weather coverage. I'd soak it all in. So I've never been one of those people that didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And so that I couldn't, I can't even wrap my mind around not knowing what I want. Oh, so to do. you knew you want to be a weatherman? Oh yeah, but now from I, like how far back? Like when do you remember thinking like I think people do this for a career and I'd like to do it? Okay, for a so there was a moment. Okay, uh, I loved weather and I remember loving weather. My parents talked about me loving weather as a kid, but in third grade. Had a guy named Davis Nolan, who was a meteorologist at Channel 2 in Nashville, who is still there, like wow. even today. But I was in third grade, which makes me feel younger, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, whenever I feel old, I'm like, well, Davis is still, still doing yeah, it. He's yeah, still going. He's still going. <laughs> so I'm sure if he ever listens to this, thanks, Don. But, uh, you know, in third grade, he comes and he talks, and he talks about his job, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He gets paid to look at weather? <laughs> That's crazy. Now, as I got older, I didn't want to do the television thing. I didn't want to wear a tie. I didn't want to comb my hair. I didn't want to shave. I mean, it was, yeah, you know, I didn't want to do that. Um, but when we, I got into college and they said, do you want to do a, a, a minor? I said, yeah, what? Physics, math, what do you want to do? Well, most of, you, most of them do broadcasting. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And, uh, and I did it. And we had a, 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 at Western Kentucky had a program where the meteorology students did 24 hour weather coverage. Like storms come in. We had so much power. We could we could blast through all of the TV stations on the campus channel. So, you know, we had like 24 channels, you know, MTV and you yeah. know, CNN and, you know, whatever was back, you know, 97, 98. And we could cut into all of them. So now I can just cut into KIT. We could blast through all of them. Tornado warning, Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so I, I, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with wall-to-wall severe weather coverage. Huh. And um, before long, I got a weekend job in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Uh, I was also working for the Federal Aviation Administration. So when I graduated, I didn't immediately get into television. <clears throat> I had had that weekend job, um, but it, that that even ended, and um, mainly for financial reasons, just going with the Federal Aviation Administration. And so, but I still was kind of interested in the whole television side. Now, back then, you had to send out VHS tapes oh. to stations across America. To get your name out there. Yeah. So you'd, you'd write a, uh, you'd write a, you'd put your resume together, you'd write a letter, and it was, you know, pretty much a form letter. And, you know, hey, you know, I'm Bozeman, Montana. Hey, I would love to be there. Blah, 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 blah. And you, you know, do this cover letter. Well, I got a phone call from a guy named Randy Titano. And Randy goes, Hey, this is Randy Titano at KEIT, and we're just really interested in your tape and interested in you. And, you know, can you come um, for drive in for an interview? And this was what year? Uh, this was 2001. Okay. 2001. The year I graduated high school. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Good year, right? Good yeah. year. <laughs> so 2001, um, he says this. He doesn't say where. And so I, I'm going, okay. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I can drive in. I can drive in. And you're married at this point? Yes. And Kid, I'm thinking to myself, yeah. He may be in Montana. He may be in yeah. North Dakota. Yeah. I just told him I'd drive yeah. there. And then um, I don't really recall if, if 
you know, if I found a computer and <laughs> found out where KIT was, or I think he may have, you know, kind of given me some directions or whatever, but I go, oh, okay. So I uh, drive over, I interview, and next thing you know, I'm uh, the weekend meteorologist at KIT, April 2001. The so weekend meteorologist, as opposed to like, is there a, is there a weekday and then there's a weekend? Is that still the way it rolls? Well, the chief, yeah, you had the chief meteorologist, which at the time was Mark Frankham, who had just taken over for Terry Wood. Okay. Uh, they were really moving a lot of things around at that time. So uh, Mark Franklin was the chief meteorologist. He was still catching a bunch of flack over the Terry Wood thing. You know, everyone was like, you know, still playing the, you're no Terry Wood, which 20 years later, I'm still getting the, you're no Terry Wood. How I'm long like, was Terry Wood uh, a meteorologist for, for KIT? I think, I think, don't hold this to me, but I think it was 22 years, maybe. Dude, you're coming up on passing longer. Yeah. Although, Terry. I took a little break. I went to Alabama for two and a half years. Still with the company. When was that? A lot of people forget that. In 2002, I left KAIT. Oh. I was still weekend meteorologist. And okay. they, um, the same company offered me morning or weekend meteorologist, which quickly became morning down at WSFA in Montgomery, Alabama. So I left for two and a half years. Got a phone call. Loved our time in Alabama. Loved it. I mean, really, um, you know, Montgomery just has so much history and you're two hours and 15 minutes from the beach. And I mean, it had a lot going for it. But when I got a phone call, I then had two kids and uh, they asked me if I was interested in becoming the chief meteorologist at KIT, hmm. a place that I never thought I'd come back to hmm. when we left here. And being a father, I was yes, hopped all over it because hmm. it's just a spectacular place to raise your kids. Hmm. Man, and so so you came back, so what year would that have been then? 2005-ish. 2005, okay, all right. Um, I want to talk in just a moment about some of the craziest weather that you've had to cover in your time here, um, so don't let me forget to ask that. but. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about just hobbies, anything like that, your family. Now you're, so you're married. How many kids? Four kids. Four kids. Yeah. What are their ages? Oh, boy. Let's say 18, 16, 13, and 12. All right. And yeah. biking? Is that your main yeah. hobby? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. Cycling and uh, fishing. I like fishing. Oh, you like to fish? I do. Okay. I do. I, I like, uh, I'm not like. What kind of fishing? Just bass fishing in the pond. You know, if you if you can find me a pond that I can go and catch fish on, on an afternoon, uh, I'm happy. So okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not like I'm not. You know, I don't own a bass boat. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not at Bass Pro every week. You know, usually I find two or three lures that work that year, and I just use the crud out of them. Yeah, man. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so yeah, that tells us a little bit about who you are. And how you well, got here? What kind of bicycle do you have? Oh yeah, ask ask yeah the, Bill over there. The, the important biker. questions. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I just I say recently last year got a diverge, um, and the reason I did that. So for, you do a lot of gravel biking. I, I'm getting into it. Okay. Um, That's the thing right now. It is, and that was the thing. <clears throat> Man, I'm just sitting here coughing like crazy. I open up this water. Sorry about that. The coughing on a podcast. Not to you is by Dasani. Shout out to Dasani. <laughs> um. But I went with a, a with a gravel bike because of this area. You know, you can hop on highways all the time, um, but the cut throughs. You know, there's just times where I'm like, man, I really would like to get over to 135, but there's that gravel road. And for the longest time, I rode this old school trek, 
my father-in-law is uh, a former Iron Man. And if you met him now, you'd probably be like, really? He's an Iron Man? And, uh, but he was, he, he's, you know, I believe he, he's been in, uh, Panama city, Louisville, Ironman, everything. Well, he Jeez. gave me his bike. And, uh, so it was it the right size and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so I, I rode this old school Trek, you know, before they even changed the, uh, the frame, uh, the pre Lance Armstrong frame change, um, um, and rode it forever, and then recently got the Diverge, and and love it. I, I probably put both both of, uh, most of my miles still on 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 asphalt, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's what I ride. Awesome. I have a uh, 1991 Fuji road bike. Sweet, you want to ride uh, sometime? Uh, how good are you? I'm not really good. Sure. See, that's what's funny. It's like uh, you know, they're like, oh, how long you been cycling? Oh, Fifteen years. But you look at like you know, I don't update Strava a whole lot. I'm just out there just trying not to die. It's like, get Dude, the heart rate going a little bit. That's how I'm trying to live my life right now. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just it's trying to survive. And it's funny because one of my kids uh, cycles. And for the for a yeah, long time. George? That's George, right, yeah. yeah. And and George would, I would have to wait up for him. And now he smokes me. Really? Oh, man, he smokes me, yeah. That's okay, though. That's what you want, though, man. That's yeah. kind of a bittersweet thing. Like, yeah. I used to be able to beat my son, but now he's, like, outpacing me. Right. Yeah, so a lot of times he goes with the hardcore cyclist. So if we're out riding with about 10 people, I'll be in the slow group, and it's like, hey, guys, take care of my son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just learned about the Pedal the Ridge race, mm-hmm. or Pedal the Ridge. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Yeah. Have you done that before? Yes, but yeah. I did. Um, so there's different mileages you can do. I did the 25 mile, and then I hop in my car, and I go work the water station out at, uh, what, what's that church? Out past... Uh, out by Hopeful Arena. I forget. It's by a cemetery. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't either. But, Sweet. yeah, I go out there and uh, and and give water and pickle juice to the, the, the people that are hardcore. Yeah. Awesome. I could do that. I could hand out water and pickle juice. Okay. We'll sign you up for a water station I next year. I probably wouldn't drink pickle juice. Well. No matter how bad I was hurting. I don't think I could stomach that. Apparently, one. it's like the miracle drink when you're 60 miles into stuff. It's funny. Um, Ted Hergett who owns Gearhead. Yeah. Uh, I was working at that water station one time, and we're waiting on people to get there. And, of course, he's the first person to get there. And he, he pulls up, and he's not even sweating. <laughs> I forget what mile we're on. It's like 50 or 60, and he's not even sweating. He just, I just wants pickle juice. You know, takes pickle juice, and he's like, all right, guys, got to get to work. See you later. And hops in. I'm like, jeez. Dude, I'm still sweating from the 25 miles I did. You know, so. We should have Ted on. We should. Yes. Yes. He should probably have some stories. He has influence in Paragold. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to take off my vest, and we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, yes, boy. no more cycling. I'm gonna but thank you shirt. for talking about I'm that. I'm going to take my me. shirt off. That cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, let's get back to weather. What is – question I was asking earlier, I'd, I'd love to yeah, hear some stories on what um, is some of the craziest moments you've had since you've mm. been here in northeast Arkansas. Um, I know we've had some crazy weather. Anything come to mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, Marmaduke Tornado was probably my first um, big thing here. So take me back to that, okay? Okay. Are we expecting crazy weather that day? Yes. Why, by the way? I had had gotten – it was a Sunday. I went to church that morning, and um, you just knew it. I mean, all the parameters. A lot of times – there's times when all the parameters are there. What do you mean by that? And I mean, in like layman's if, terms, 
Okay, if you're going to make a cake and you've got your flour and you've got your sugar and you've got your icing and, you know, your milk, you know, if you put all that together, you can still kind of make a cake if you don't have the two shakes of salt or whatever grandma okay, did. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can even make a decent tasting thing without icing. You know? Sure. This had everything. And, and we, we, sometimes that happens and nothing happens. Sometimes that, that doesn't Because occur. they all kind of just still sit out on the counter, right? Right, exactly. All right. And this was a situation where I knew I was going to have to go to work that day. I didn't work on Sundays at the time. Um, at that time, I, I do now. But um, but I knew it was one of those days where, okay, we're going to wrap this up. we got to eat lunch pretty fast. i got to get to work. And so we knew that was going to be the type of situation. At that point, are you expecting we're probably going to have a tornado, or is it still like we're just going to have some severe weather? We're just going to have severe weather. You okay. know, it was going to have a little wind damage. Yeah, you, know, you never really go right. into it. I, I say that I, it, it's almost like these days I do go into it like we're going, going to get a tornado, but you don't start out thinking, "Oh yeah, we're going to have a tornado today," and it's going to completely, you know, destroy a city. And um, but we knew it could be bad, and so I was at work and 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 going. And I had a professor one time tell me, "If you can get softball size hell out of a storm." it's going to produce a tornado. Hmm. And and that's one of those just little things that stuck with you, you. know, just stuck with me. And, and when when I got a report that in Shannon, Arkansas, they had um, softball size hail or just west of Shannon, uh, we had softball size hail. I was like this is not good. And the storm That was around what time by the way? Do you remember whenever that started five coming online? Probably. Oh, okay. Probably five, maybe a little, maybe five. So at that point, we're battling about an hour out whenever it runs mm-hmm. through Marmaduke. So, yeah. okay, you're getting softball hail. So, you're getting softball size hail, and almost immediately I start getting reports of a tornado crossing over Highway 67. Now, the thing is, even back in that time, we didn't have the social media that we have today. Yeah. You did a little bit, but you didn't have what we had today. Yeah, Facebook had like just come online. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 Twitter was eh, I don't think Twitter was right. even yeah. there yet. But and so now today, you know, if there's a tornado, I usually have thirty pictures of it in about two minutes, three minutes. It's like it doesn't take long at all. So you know what you're looking at. Right. And so this, uh, you're getting reports but or you're hearing scanner traffic. And typically in a in a situation like that, you still need more verification. But we had already had the hail report. So I kinda knew this was the real deal. And and then on radar, I love radar. I'm a radar geek. I love every I'm, and radar is. If you could say what's your favorite gadget, it's radar. I love radar. Why? Because it tells you so much, and especially today. I mean, you can. T- I can tell you there's a tornado using radar right now. Not back in the Marmaduke time because technology wasn't there yet. But today, I can tell you that it, that there is confidently a tornado without seeing a picture, without hmm. anybody telling me, without any eyeballs on it. I can That's use insane. radar. <clears throat> and and say that that's crazy. Yeah, is that because of the technology developed in the movie Twister? <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, it's a good question. Good Bill. question. Thank though. you for thanks for popping in. <laughs> but um, you know, back to Marmaduke, that that storm was moving due east, and that's what we call uh, right turners or right you know uh, right movers, and um, it wasn't. That is a sign of a violent rotating storm hmm. it was moving due east you know usually they go southwest to northeast and when they weaken a lot of times they'll, they'll they'll start nudging more to the northeast but this one was going due east and it just looked bad it just looked bad it just looked bad it just kept looking you still don't bad. know the size you no. don't know any kind of stuff mm-hmm. so we're not getting a bunch of pictures and we still don't have a lot of pictures I mean, if you go searching for pictures of the marmaduke tornado yeah, it, you're not it's not gonna just yeah no you can't find right. it i mean you go 
search for the Jonesboro tornado and there's videos and pictures and this and that. There's just not a whole lot of pictures back then. Um, but uh, I, I vividly remember, and it really changed um, how I want our staff to treat the weather team while we're out there, is it's going through, and you know it's going through population centers. You know it's doing damage. You know it's disrupting lives. But you try to put that in the back of your mind and keep going because you know it hit life. Then you know it hit Marmaduke, but you still have people out there in Braggadocia and Carothersville that need to know weather information. So you can't emotionally wrap yourself around what's going, what happened in Marmaduke. You just got to trust. But you the don't person. even know, like at that, like by the time it gets to Marmaduke, do you have any idea what size it is? Mm-mm. You still don't know. I don't at that point. But you I just gotta, know a tornado's coming, which that's not totally out of the norm, right? I mean, tornadoes, touchdown. How many how many tornadoes touch down probably a year in northeast Arkansas? Mm, that's a good question. It, it varies a whole lot. There's okay, a, but it's not out of the norm, right? No, it's not out of the norm. So you just know a tornadoes touch down. Mm-hmm. It's moving to Marmaduke. There were some red flags. I mean, like I said, it's a right mover. Uh, yeah. It had large hail. It, there were a lot of things that pointed to this could be bad. Okay. But we still didn't know how bad. And then I got a post-it note that was slid to me. And it like said, when? You're like on air? While yeah. I'm on air. And it was about... Um, so the storm was probably around Okta, so it, it's passing south of Kennett. And I get a post-it note that says, Marmaduke is demolished. Wow. And I would... Demolished. I mean, you don't know what that means. Wow. And that's a word that you're like, okay, demolished. You're just like, are you on gone. air just talking about the tornado and all yes. of a sudden you read that? And I can't say that on air. You, you can't say that on so air. You're like, okay, thanks. Right. For, and so yeah. you're going, and then I'm a person. I'm from here. I know people in Marmaduke. Uh, yeah. You know, at the time, I, you know, immediately you're like, oh man, is, uh, is Tim Knoll okay? Yeah. Is Shane Robinson okay? You start, like, people that, that you know in Marmaduke, you're like, are they okay? Jeez. But you got to keep going. And so to separate out the personal side of it and the professional side of it, that was the moment in my career where I go, guys, thanks for the information. Don't write it like that again. Uh, yeah. Say, we have damage or we have, you know, it hit some homes or something. Police or, you know, first responders, you know, be very careful with how you are giving us information now, um, which now <laughs> with Twitter, uh, and, and the you know, chat service that we have with the weather service, there's no filtering that anymore. Um, I mean, we watched the Jonesboro tornado unfold in front of our eyes. All of us saw the damage as it was coming in. So uh, you can't stop the information flow now. You know, So yeah. even though my, my new rule became, hey, don't do it like that anymore, now I get tweets that say, you know, the mall is demolished or, you know, things like that. What it was a F three right? Mm-hmm. How are those classified? F three is what by the by the wind damage by the wind damage. So what you do is, and a, and a lot of people, um, it's so fascinating uh, the 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 stuff that we have now at our at our fingertips. But it's not the size of the tornado. It's not okay. the. So it's not like measured by no. With, because if you did that, I mean, if you looked at it, uh, I believe it's Greg Webb, fireman here in town. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's Greg that has some video of the Marmaduke tornado, and it's huge, huge. So if you looked at it off size, you, you would be like, man, that's, that's, that's an F3 or F5. That's an F5 tornado. But you can't measure it off size. You can't measure it off of what you see on radar. You measure it off the damage. And, you know, back in the, that time, it was F3, not EF3. And so 
what a surveyor would do, they would come in and they'd say, okay, the walls are knocked down here, but these walls are still here. So it's not an F4, it's an F3. You know, did enough damage to do this. They have some criteria. Well, now with EF3, um, researchers actually went through and they said, okay, how does a brick wall respond differently than a metal wall? Or how does a roof that has nail brackets uh, do versus a roof that's uh, just nailed, toenailed in? Um, hmm. And so they went through all of these, and there's this huge book now that, that they go through uh, to, to rank the damage. So it's not the tornado, it's the damage. Well, what's interesting now, used to, meteorologists would get more or less ridiculed by other meteorologists when they'd say, oh, look at that tornado there. That, that has to be an EF4. And it's like, you don't know what it is. But now we kind of do. Because now we can look at the debris within the storm using radar. And now there is, I mean, almost a precise, precise correlation between how high the debris is being lofted and the rating. So if debris is lofted to 15,000 feet, you know, nine times out of 10, that's an EF, you know, whatever. And so you can draw this correlation. And so now literally you can use radar and and say to people, there's a good chance that this is an EF3 tornado. Like in real time? Like in real time. Wow. Now, I don't have it memorized you, in front yeah. of me. I have a little, sure. a little thing that, that I say, okay, this debris is going to 18,000 feet or whatever. You know, this, there's a chance that this is a you know, EF3, 4, whatever. Do you remember the first time you went to Marmaduke after that? I do. When was that? I do. That was that night. That night I went to Marmaduke, and I have this thing where I, 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 I want to be there, and I don't know if that's my nosiness or I don't know if that's a, I want to help or I don't know if – I don't know what it is, but I usually go to the tornado almost immediately, whether it's just a small tornado or, 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 or what. But I went there that night, and um, they, they allowed us to come in, and it was just uh, devastating. Yeah. I mean, the school was heavily damaged, but once you went east of there, and there was a lot of, uh, I believe it was mobile home or manufactured homes, and it just wiped out. Just wiped out, and, it, and there was no way. I thought to myself, "There's no way that we don't have death. There's no way that, that was we don't unbelievable." Have death. Yeah, and um, something that stuck with me then that that was breathing in insulation, and um, that was the first time that I w- had been somewhere. And I don't know if it's because there wasn't much rain with it or what, but there was insulation blowing in the air, like literally fiberglass pieces. And that, that's a thing that, I mean, I was coughing a little bit and, and that stuck with me. Well, then we kind of called it a night and I can remember I, um, that night I was riding around with a guy from the uh, Green County Rescue Squad and they and we kind of called it a night and said, okay, first thing in the morning, uh, cadaver dogs are coming out and the search is going to continue. And I knew, I was like, man, tomorrow morning, yeah. it's going to be a sad, sad morning. And we get up that morning. I went right back up there at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. People are looking and looking and looking and looking, and there were no deaths. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. I mean, yeah. And you see all those houses that were literally flattened mm-hmm. and like, you know, mobile homes like wrapped around trees and things like that, or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. How in the world could people survive that? Mm-hmm. It's just totally the grace of God. It, I, mean, I don't know what the explanation. There's is. no other explanation. And so I remember, um, going there, I was a college pastor at the time and I remember walking into Marmaduke or driving into Marmaduke and just feeling really small, you know, cause you just realize like, like, man, I'm not in control. Like it mm-hmm. happens this fast. You know, I was actually 
preaching. I was talking to Debbie Smith whenever she was on. She was a member of First Baptist, and I was preaching that Sunday night at First Baptist, and someone came in at the end of my sermon and was like, we need to wrap it up and pray for Marmaduke because the tornado just hit. I remember just thinking, like, can't be that bad. You know, and it was awful. And yeah. then you, you might not remember this, but I remember cracking eggs beside you I do remember a couple days later. At First Baptist. Yes, sir. And yep. so we were in the MMSC because First Baptist used their, really they used the entire building to mm-hmm. house people because there's just no homes. Right. You know, and people had to have these things. Remember, just like, they had these army like cots like laid out. It was, cr- it was like a that. refugee camp, man. It was. It, it, think if that happened right now, how would we do that? And, yeah. and, and I hope we're looking into things like that, which, you know, uh, Eric Wright at Emergency Management always talks about. I sit around and wonder what ifs. So I'm sure he's thought about the what ifs of, of that. And we kind of dealt with that with Jonesboro. But at the time, we didn't know at the time that, you know, we had such few cases when the Jonesboro tornado oh, hit that it wasn't as big of a deal. But if it happened now, it'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a. Dude, it felt like the world was falling apart whenever that happened at Jonesboro. Cause like, you know, you just find out about COVID and churches needed to shut down. And, and that, and what size was that in Jonesboro? Was it classified the tornado? Uh, EF3. Oh. Yeah. So it did as much damage as. Yeah, Marmaduke. I think it was a three. Boy, I have a brain fart right now. I think but man, it, was it really, yeah. Yeah, so that was a much different day than the Marmaduke one, right, for you, yes. as far as calling that? Yes. So you knew very, I mean, when did you, on that day, let's see, was that back, back in March, right? March 28th. March 28th. So is it similar? Like one of those things where all the ingredients are on the counter, you're like, here we go again? Yeah, probably not even as much as the Marmaduke tornado. It was one of those things where we were still kind of missing some of the parameters. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a perfect setup. So in that fashion, it was different because I had just been sent. I had just been sent home. Started working at home on March twenty sixth, but I still had the liberty to come in and cover severe weather. So we knew it was going to be bad, but it wasn't bad enough to where I, you know, I said, "Hey, I'm in my home studio." or my home office, I said, I'll cover it on this end. Zach uh, had been kind of deemed the person that's going to stay back at the studio through the pandemic mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. And um, so I, I didn't come into the station, but as soon as that storm developed in Woodruff County, uh, you know, there's a moment where I go, uh, hey, guys, this this is this is bad, and if you draw a line on this, it's going to come into some very populated areas. And you got to be careful with your words. You know, you can't call a tornado yeah, an hour and a half You guys out. are probably talking a little bit differently behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Just kind of like a doctor or anything right. else, and you're talking with the patient or the viewer or whatever. Right. You don't want to create a pan- panic. Yeah, absolutely. You want people to be ready, but you don't want to create a panic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that rolled in in March, and um, because of the technology, it was just a much different. Now you can give people more of a, how much more of a warning? Time-wise? Much, much more. The, the the technology advancements that we have had between Marmaduke and Jonesboro is just incredible. It From really a, is, man. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, there are little things that we can look at to see if a storm is uh, what we would call cycling or not. Um, and, and little clues that say, hey, don't give up on this storm yet. Um, and j- then just, you know, people dog out social media. But you know what? Having all those pictures and reports and and things ahead of you kind know, of helps in those moments, right? Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have eyeballs all over the place. You know, when I say that we're in this together, it really is in this together. And I've had other meteorologists just go, okay, you're really big on Twitter, Ryan. How do you trust these reports? And a lot of these reports 
are people that you talk to day in and day out. So when you cut up with people about the Razorback game or uh, about the A-State game or about the, you know, they take a stab at me about the Western Kentucky games or something like that, when, when you're developing these relationships through the year and then something like that happens, mm-hmm. and they go, hey, here's the tornado, it's big and it's coming, you know, then you trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's still people out there that are going to go, hey, there's a tornado right now. And it's like, no, there's not. Um but when you develop relationships with a lot of these people, you may never, most of them, you've never met them in your in your life. But you're like, oh yeah, I, I cut up with you know this farmer. Yeah. You know, he's telling me the truth. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really important. I never thought about it from that angle. I mean, I know that you're big on Twitter, but yeah, I've been able to build those relationships, and with that comes the trust, and that makes your job easier and mm-hmm. keeps us safer. Would you say the ice storm is the other big one that comes to your mind? <laughs> yeah, that was a long event. I don't remember that year. What year was that? Do you remember? I don't even remember. That was 2009. 2009. Yeah. Okay. It was actually a two-day event. You know, people forget that it also came in two waves. Yeah, I forget that. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we forget about about weather events. Um, And even us. I mean, even I have to go back and look at notes and and, and things like that. But Did uh, y'all know that was going to be as devastating? I did. Really? Yeah. So, same thing? Everything's just lining up? We just didn't know the impacts of it. You know, we... What made that such a... Just a massive ice storm. I've never seen anything like it. We weren't in my ready lifetime. for it. If the exact same meteorological event happened right now, it would be nothing like it was in 2009. Really? Why? And the reason I say that is because our infrastructure is so much better now. You know, you've got Entergy uh, and Craighead Electric and PLWC that that stay on top of these limbs. I mean, it, it, it's here's a game for you. Go find a tree limb over a power line. You don't see that anymore. Really? You never see Dude, that. I've never paid attention to that. You never see that anymore. And then you take something like a, um, uh, well, I'm not going to call out any specific uh, utility company or, or, or whatever, but you know, some utility companies had very small um, utility poles spread really far apart. And so now those utility poles are closer and they're larger. So you're not going to have power lines fall like they did back then. You're not going to have tree limbs fall as much as as what you did on power lines, as what you did back in 2009. And so we learned a lot from that. So if the same exact meteorological phenomenon happened today, the impacts wouldn't be the same because we're more prepared. Hmm. So um, we got better as a result. Much better. You know, you learn. You're like, okay, we're, if this ever happens again, it's not going to be like it was. Um but that was, I mean, the event itself, I mean, getting an uh, inch and a half, two inches of just freezing rain is horrible. Insane. Yeah. Where were you living at the time, Bill, when the ice storm hit? Do you remember that? Williams Baptist College. Oh, you now were? university. Okay. All right, man. We, people were without electricity for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even in the city, like, I think, if I remember, I, like, my parents were out for, like, a, a week or something. Yeah, probably at so. Least. It was funny. Um, I joked around with a guy from PLWC. Uh, I said, Say, hey, man, you know, when's my power going to come back on? He said, oh, it may be a while. I was like, all right, man, get on that. You know, just joking around. Yeah. Well, my power goes on. Jason Knoll had just uh, set me up with a kerosene heater. And, I mean, we lit it, and as soon as we lit it, the power came on. Are you serious? And I was like, why is the power on? And we lived in Carriage Hills at the time. Yeah. And the only um, the only streets that had power were like Greystone to the back. What is that, Buckingham? Or- yeah. Those were the only streets. The rest of them, including my in-laws, had no power still. And I called him up. I was like, dude, I was joking. <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. He goes, that part of the neighborhood, I guess, comes down Bethel. And 
I don't know, maybe it powers something important like the hospital or, you know, fire halls or something. I don't know, but that, that was on the priority to be turned on. The rest of the neighborhood came, I guess, off of 49. And so we had power pretty fast. Yeah. Which was you people know, are like, man, it's yeah. nice to live next to the weather guy. <laughs> the weather guy's got yeah. power over there. So, uh, so it was fun. If you would have been living next door to us, our kids would have been like, see, he can he controls electricity too. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, how do you how do you handle that? What is that like to, um, to yeah, I know you're calling the shots. I know you said technology's improved a lot, but what does that feel like whenever you see tornadoes like moving towards? these places, you know, that are connected with people that you've built relationships with and you love and you trust and they trust you. And it seems like there's some pressure that comes with that. There is. Um, I thought, I I thought March 28th would be that, that moment that I, I, that I feared. Um, I've had friends uh, that are meteorologists in Birmingham that walk away from an event that killed, you know, scores of people over a hundred, over 200 people and psychologically scarred them. I mean, thinking what could I have done different? Could I have warned them better? Could I have done this? Could I have done that? And I haven't had that. Hmm. Um, and that is nothing I've done at all. Um, and and I, I, I've always been scared of that moment. I, I, I get, I get upset. You know, there was a, there was a man that died off, uh, off highway 90 from a tornado that, you know, a lot of people have forgotten about. It's just, you know, EF1 tornado that went through that killed a guy up in Clay County. And it still bothers me a little bit. I'm like, oh, man, is there anything that we could have done differently? Mm-hmm. And so I thought March 28th was going to be one of those days that I dreaded. And, you know, I was broadcasting from home, and we're driving down to Jonesboro right after it hit. I mean, it's still in Greene County. But I had lost power and lost uh, an it clicked back on and I was worthless being at the, in my home office at that point, because we had lost so much connection. So I was heading down to Jonesboro to go to the damage spot and to immediately start broadcasting uh, from my phone or, or whatever means that we were going to do. And I can remember thinking, this is it, that we're, we're going to have a lot of people that died. And even when we got there and I can remember we're setting up at the command post and they're setting up to my left. Diana and I are about to broadcast and they're setting up to the left and talking about this is where we can put, I think they said 200 people, 200 bodies. Hmm. And I'm thinking, good grief. It's crazy, man. And nobody came. It was wild. Got a lot of food that was brought. I mean, every yeah. restaurant in town was like, <laughs> you know, hey, this is for all the you know people that are working out here. And, um, I can recall a buddy of mine works for St. Bernard's and he was called in and, and, and nobody was showing up. I mean, we got a few scratches and, you know, we, I saw, I saw some people that were bloody that, you know, may have had something hit with them, sure. but you know, I haven't faced that, um, that event where 200 people die and I dread that so bad. It'll happen. Yeah. Is it true that the Ridge impacts weather at all? I've heard that before. Or is that a complete myth? I used to say no. Okay. But I'm not sold on that anymore. I used to think, man, that it's there's not there's not that there's not enough height to change. But I, I don't buy that anymore. Now when you come to a huge violent tornado like the Marmaduke one, it almost is worse. Because it was almost like that tornado got up to the ridge and just said, I'm gonna keep going and not only am I gonna keep going, but you're farther up into the storm now and I'm just gonna grind across here. 
you know, I think on weaker tornadoes it could weaken them a little bit. And that, and to a certain degree, that kind of happened with the Jonesboro tornado. You know, it formed a tornado in Jackson County. Um, and at that point, at that point right there, it's kind of like a dog that bites you. You don't ever trust that dog again. Mm-hmm. And so that was the Jonesboro tornado. It's like, well, pulled up now. There's not a tornado. And I'm like, uh, it may have pulled up right there on the ridge for whatever reason. Um, but then it started cycling and man, I, I was just, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. And there was little things on on radar, um, that led us to believe this thing's not done yet. But, uh, yeah, I think the ridge affects it some, uh, but I don't think, I don't think we can sit up here on the ridge and go, Oh, we're safe. It's never going to happen. Yeah, sure. There's, you know, there's been tornadoes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, whenever I was, I'm thinking about how you said when you were growing up, you didn't, uh, you were, you were always fascinated by it, but then there's some like weathermen or weather women that were terrified mm-hmm. of storms. And I was one of those that was terrified of it, man. Like I was in a tornado whenever I was in the summer between my fourth and fifth grade year. And there was a season in my life that I had to get counseling. Like, it's like if a cloud came up in the sky, I was terrified that a tornado was going to happen again. And, um, I, I don't know if you deal with that at all and in, in ways that you try to help people with those fears. You know, I'd love to hear what you say to those who maybe might even listen to this and they have some PTSD from that. You know, I know for me, the only thing that really seemed to get me through that was I had a brother, as you know, Grant is crazy about the weather. And so was my dad. And honestly, that was like facing my fears is what got me through it because there were so many moments where it was like, okay, it's getting bad again. They're out there watching the lightning and they're, they're like you, right? And they're like, oh, look at that. And I started realizing like, man, but there's so many times that bad weather come and I'm, I'm terrified that it's going to kill me. And like, but I've, I've made it through. And it's like, I think like just facing that reality over and over facing my fear got yeah. me through it. But for others, I'm just curious, is there anything you say to those who are scared? You know, well, we, we, we have that balance of being prepared for storms, but at the same time for people that are worried about storms is you've got to remind them that it's pretty rare. Yeah. And even when they do come, most of the time they're not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, we can have one of the largest severe weather outbreaks that, that will hit, but most of, you know, most, most of the people are going to live through it. And, um, you know, um, that's kind of what I say to them is, is just like, yes, it's bad, but most of us get through it just fine. And we've got a lot of PTSD right now from the Jonesboro tornado adults. I mean, kids are, yes, hmm. but even adults, hmm. uh, that went through it, you know, their windows busted out and stuff. And you've got to just reassure them that, you know, the chance of that happening again is mm-hmm. very, very low, mm-hmm. very low. Uh, if you just kind of put it into percentages. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you know to take cover. You're not going to be sitting in your living room next time when that happens. You're going to take cover. You know, a lot of these people get storm shelters. And I, I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate of storm shelters. Um, for, if nothing else, for a peace of mind. So, yeah. What's next for you? You, uh, Content with where you are in the season of life, as far as just being the weatherman and that, you know, being the meteorologist at KIT. I mean, do you have other dreams? You know, uh, goals. I think so. I think I'm happy where I am. You know, I've I've tossed around the idea of getting into politics, but boy, I tell you, the past year or so has really. <laughs> it's just, a good season to get in, man. Oh man, I tell you, the past year, uh, just you know, even talking with Josh, you know, seeing him yeah, stressed out and running, I'll go. Boy, I'm glad I didn't run for mayor. <laughs> Yeah, man, you have some thick skin. You could have uh, Max Bishop be your bodyguard. <laughs> that would be – I might run then. I'm, I might run. But, uh, you know, I think I've kind of put that uh, aside. Uh, I don't think – I'm really happy um, delivering the weather 
Mm-hmm. I think if I ever did anything more, I would still do the weather. Hmm. You know, I've, oh, I've, it's been a passion for years. Yeah. And you're good at it, man. I appreciate it. I've heard um, there's an exercise we do with people in our church called Motivated Abilities, Motivated Abilities Exercise, and it's helping people basically identify their calling in life. And what we have them do is is identify 10 things from their childhood that they both enjoyed and were good at. And then you basically like pull those together. You, you get one sentence that kind of sums all that up. But I just think about your, what you're doing and it's obviously something you really enjoyed yeah. and you're really good at it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Really good. And so what interests you about politics? You know, I just, I, I think there's so much in this world where everyone's extreme right or extreme left. And there's not anyone that just is sitting there in the middle going, Hey guys, a lot of us are sitting right here and we want a better place and, and, and we don't want to waste money here. Or we don't want to waste money there. Uh, we care about people look, we, we need it. We need to meet here in the yeah. middle and get it done. And I think what turns me away from politics is, is that, it, you know, so many people demand, well, are you here? Are you here? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more here, but you know, not necessarily enough to go. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any yeah. sense at all. But, you know, it's so toxic right now that, I don't, you know, the, 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 I, you, I just don't know if I want to dive into that, yeah. you know, especially when I'm loving weather so much because I would have to quit this job. Yeah. You, know, you can't be in the media and be into politics. Yeah. That just doesn't work that way. Um, so I, I've come to the conclusion that uh, I, maybe I just uh, continue um, promoting good things in the community, continue. Mm-hmm getting into service projects and uh, promoting uh, adoption and, and things yeah. like that. And, and, and just being in my spot. Yeah. I love, I love your heart behind just this idea of like, Hey, we're on the same team. I know you're that way with churches or uh, yeah, politics, any of that. And Is that number it, seven coming out in me. <laughs> yeah, dude. The nod of the Enneagram for those of you, we'll do a whole podcast on Enneagram. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were talking about this before we started, with the Max Bishop podcast and how that was so controversial. Um, and, and we knew it would be, but, you know, we get these these emails and messages of people that were frustrated that we brought him on. And and I'm actually going to write about this in the premiere, um, or by the time this releases, I would have already yeah, put it in the premiere. But I, I just thought, you know, when we got this these emails, I mean, like, this is part of the reason that the world has gone mad right now is because when when we disagree with somebody on one thing, we think we have to disagree with them on everything. Yes. And like, now I'm not even going to listen to what you say anymore. I'm going to discredit you. And not only like, am I going to discredit you, but clearly like you're either completely an idiot or completely evil, right? And, and I'm not saying like we shouldn't have got emails from anybody like saying, I mean, they're just sharing their thoughts. Right. And I'm not even saying I agree with everything that Max stands for because I don't. And, and he knows that. But man, like if, if we can't sit in the room with somebody that we don't see eye to eye with and have a loving conversation with them and listen to them and try to like start with where we agree rather than where we disagree. And like, we're going to continue to be in a lot of trouble. That's the world right now. It's, it's, uh, it's either you're here or you're here. And if, if, or if you even lean one way or the other, it's, it's, you're the enemy. I'm right. You're wrong. And that's on both sides. And it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah, it is, man. Well, I, I'm so glad that you took time to come on. 
we need to have you on again because there are so many stories I know that you can share <laughs> and we can talk about and laugh about and even cry about if we need to, whatever. <laughs> so thank you, man, for, for taking the time to be here. Good to be here.